Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Men's needs. Is marriage really about his needs, her needs? Yes? No? Maybe so? Okay. We also go through sometimes this book, I recommend this book for couples to read, Love and Respect. And it tells you a little, little bit about uh, the respect that he desperately needs and the love that she desperately needs. And is marriage really about love and respect? Yes? No? Maybe so? What is marriage really about? Really about? We're talking about a biblically successful marriage. And we know that, that um, you can be married for 60 years, 70 years, as long as you're alive to one person, uh, married to one person, not even be saved, never commit adultery, any such thing. Um, is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when we stand before Jesus Christ, would that marriage, they would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If they're not even born again. No, because they're not going <laughs> to. If you're not, if you if you're not, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you can, you can kind of hang things up, right? Okay, Let me, let's ask another question. Is marriage really about the romance between husband and wife? Is it really about going to the gym, jogging, doing all those type of things that we do, um, uh, dieting, to make sure we uh, uh, stay attractive to one another? Is marriage really about that? Is it about caring for our children, if you have children? In marriage. Is it really about caring for your children? Yes? No? Maybe so? How about making provision for your mate? Working. Is marriage really about the provision that you, you have in, in marriage? What is a biblical successful marriage really about? That's what we want to talk about today. We want to start the first message of the series about that. And I'm sure you already know. I'm, I'm sure you know the answers to these questions are yes. I'm sure you know the answers to these questions are no. Uh, is that correct? Yes and no. Okay. Well, let's think about society, our culture. Let's think of things that way. Because our culture has a vision, an idea of what marriage is, is, is all about. But I believe it's miles apart from what God says biblically marriage is all about. And I believe that it was, it was the same way in, when Jesus walked the earth. It was, it was the same way. And I want, 
I want the singles, I want the uh, married couples, I want everybody that this, this series is very important because uh, if you ever want to get married, this is very important. If you're married, it's very important. Let's, let's uh, start from Matthew chapter 19. Let's start there. And let's look at, in Jesus' time, what, how they were picturing things there. Let's look in verse 3, start there, Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So Jesus just gave him the word uh, on, in the Old Testament about, about what God said. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? So of course they're trying to uh, catch him in, in things was unlawful. And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart. That's very important. Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. So now his disciples didn't understand what God's vision for marriage was. Really. They, didn't, they didn't understand. In that day, they don't understand. In this day, I believe that we need a divine revelation. We need illumination by the Holy Spirit to really grasp and understand what God's vision of marriage is and to walk it out. I don't think I know a not-yet-saved person or an unsaved person, I know that they cannot achieve a biblically, a biblically successful marriage. Because I know what the Word says. I believe that it's very important that we don't go to society, we don't go to our culture, and look for our culture to define what marriage is. Because our, our culture, they're constantly showing us things that's anti-Jesus Christ. They are, they are neglecting God, lust intoxicated, self-centered. <laughs> Come on, I mean, you, you can, you, it doesn't matter uh, the laws that, that the society are making. The anti-God, anti-biblical, 
about marriage. And of course, all you have to do is just Google it and find out a little, a little bit about statistics. And you'll see it's, it's, it's appalling. But now, if we're only talking about our culture that we live in, it would be one thing. But we are also speaking about the church, how we as a church, we are in our culture, we're in society, and we tend to be sometimes affected by society because we don't, we haven't gotten that divine revelation and that illumination by the Holy Spirit to understand exactly what marriage is really about. And so that, that's the starting point for me, for you, and I'm already married, uh, for you, you already married, some of you singles. It's a starting point is that we have to understand that we have to cry out to God. We, God, we need, a, we, we need divine revelation of this thing. We need illumination in order, to, uh, in order to walk this thing out. And surely you cannot say, that's not true. We understand this thing. We know this thing. If it were so, why would the statistics say that, the, that in the church of the living God all over America, is the statistics about the same for divorce? That's outside the church. Why would they say that? Why would it be that way if, in fact, we had a divine revelation, we had illumination, we understand this thing, and we can walk this thing out? We, we, you have people that don't even want to get married. Just like in, in Jesus', Jesus time, they said, the disciples said, well, man, it's better not to marry. Now, I can have, I can have a, a, a cat or dog for a companion, man. I don't need it, man. That's all it's going to be about. Now, marriage is about, isn't about companionship, too. But now, is that, is that really the biblical reason for marriage, God's idea of marriage, for companionship only? So we have to, we have to grasp that. Now, take in consideration what I said in the two-part uh, message that I did on uh, being uh, so grateful that our gratefulness towards our salvation led us to demonstrate that gratefulness, that gratitude towards God. And that you have to be born again, and God has to be number one. God has to be number one. To even begin to have a biblically successful marriage, God has to be number one. We can look at it in the Old Testament. Let's look at it in Exodus. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Let's see what it says there. 1 through 3. You remember the first commandment? Verse 1 says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
the first commandment. And we can say that the Lord our God brought us out of the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He got rid of sin for us. We're not under obligation to sin. Sin has no more dominion over us. Therefore, God will be our number one love. We'll serve no other before him. We'll love no other more than him or before him. If it doesn't start there, you'll have young people looking for their first love. You have young people looking for the love of their life, that mate that's going to complete them when they should be already complete in the Lord. In the Lord. Because until he is your number one, until he completes you, you're going to be looking for love in the wrong places. It's not going to work. There is no human being that will be able to provide the things, that all the things that you need. No human being. None. None. And some people say, well, you know, I want to get married so I won't be lonely. Well, we know from our life, I know from counseling, and that you can be lonely in marriage. You can be. Oh, yeah. So God has to be number one. And, it, and now we are seeking for, if you're single, you're number two. Not your number one. Your number two love. Nothing's going to replace God. I am number two in Minerva's life. She's number two in my life. God is number one. If we ever get that turned upside down, we're going to have problems in our marriage. Now, you say, well, that was Old Testament. There's, there's no, no, no need for all that. Well, I believe that you understand that in the New Testament, and we can go to uh, any place, really. Let's go to Matthew 22. Let's go there. And we can, we can, we can know in verse 36, 37, 38, one of the Pharisees was uh, said to Jesus trying to, Test him, teacher, which is a great, which is the great, the great commandment in the law. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. So Jesus just interpreted to him, You shall have no other gods before me. That's what he just did. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, 
all of your mind. He is going to be number one. He'll be number one. Your mate, your spouse not going to be number one. Nothing else will be number one. He says, this is the great and foremost commandment. So when we're talking about a biblically successful marriage being about something, well, it starts with you being born again and you having the Lord your God, you're number one. And I'm the same way. Anything else is not going to be biblically successful. Believe me. It's not going to happen. What is marriage really about? Biblically successful marriage now. What is it really about? Well, number one, I believe that a biblically successful marriage is really about a revelation of the glory of God. That's number one. When we ask the question, title of the message, what is a biblically successful marriage really about? It's really about a revelation of the glory of God. That's what it's really about. It is not, it's really not about love and respect. It's really not about his needs, her needs. It's really not about my physique, how much weight I gain, how much I lost, or all those type of things. It's not really about uh, me romancing Minerva. It's really not about caring for our children. It's really not about that. It's really about a revelation of the glory of God. Because if I get that right, everything else is going to fall in place. If I get that wrong, things are going to be out of place. A revelation of the glory of God. That's, that's what marriage, the first thing that marriage is really about. And I'll give you two things today. It's really about a revelation of the glory of God. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's look at it in Genesis. Let's go back to the beginning. We've read some of it before in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, he said, to us here through Moses that then the Lord said let us make we're in verse 26 let us make them let's make man in our image according to our likeness and let us let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing 
that moved on earth. God. A revelation of the glory of God. So we see what God says here. He said, I, we, we want to make man in our own image. Male and female, we want to make them. We, we want to make them in our, in our image. That's what I want to do. Let's go to verse 7 in chapter 2 and kind of see a breakdown of that. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So we see the breakdown of what he just said. Let us make man our own image. So he made man. He formed him. He formed him of the dust of the ground. Then let's go over to verse, in chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Someone that's compatible to him. Someone is not going to be the, the animals, not going to be the birds, not going to be any of those things. I'm going I'm, I'm to make him a helper that's suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So regardless of what God made and brought it before him. He named it. It was not a suitable helper. It had to be somebody that's compatible with him, somebody just like him. Somebody had to be made in God's image. If, God, if he's going to have a helper, he has to be, that the helper has to be someone in God's image. It was not the birds of the sky. It was not the, the animals. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned, fashioned. Now before in verse 7, it said he formed the man out of the dust of the ground. He formed the man. Now, he, didn't, he did not say that of the woman. He could have, but he did not say that about the woman. He did not form the woman from the dust of the ground and breathed into her nostrils the breath of life and she became a living being. That didn't happen that way. So this helper must be very special to God because God did it uh, differently. Do you understand that? The words are different. The Hebrew words are different. So in the New American Standard, it says fashion, but in the Hebrew text, it says built. He built her. Wow. Especially. He didn't even build us, man. You know, he just formed us out of the dirt from the ground, you know. You know? My goodness gracious. How special is a female to God? Very special. 
That doesn't mean that we're not special because he, we are made in his image, right, men? And women, but women are made in his image too, right? But he built her, and he didn't build, didn't build us. This is what he did. He built the woman. He built into a woman the real, who he had taken from the man. From a bone, he built the female. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Now, he could have said from the dirt, didn't he? Couldn't he say that? He didn't say from the dirt. He said from the real, he built. <laughs> Into the woman from the rib, which he had taken from the man. And then he brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. And the man had sense enough <laughs> to say, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. How did he know that he, if he was asleep? think they had and, you know anesthesia and all this stuff you know like then God did a special thing didn't he but somehow he let Adam know that this is bone of your bone this is flesh of your flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man not taken from the dirt of the ground, taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. And we'll talk about that uh, next week. I know you're going to come back. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the one flesh. We'll talk about leaving. Uh, we'll talk about that. And, and, and the joining, the cleaving, we'll break that down uh, next week. And just go into a little bit more depth on this and find out what God is meaning by these words. Because this is the beginning. Jesus quoted this in Matthew uh, 22. He quoted this. Let me ask you a question. Marriage. And he says that that he's going to be joined to his wife. Whose idea was marriage? Was it man's idea? No. It's God's doing. It's God's doing when he put marriage into existence. It's his design. It's not man's design. It's his design. I don't care whether you're saved. I don't care whether you're unsaved. I don't care... Who you are in this world, and we have atheists who are married. Marriage was God's design. 
And so they are, whether they say they don't believe in God, whatever they say they are, they are doing, they are participating in God's design. That's what they're doing. So number one, I said that a biblically successful marriage is really about a revelation of the glory of God. Everything that we just read in Genesis here is about God's glory. I mean, this is God who formed man from the dirt of the ground. That's God. This is God who built a woman from Adam's rib. That's, that's speaking of the glory of God. That's the glory of God. God brought the woman to the man. Man didn't go out and, 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 and he all of a sudden he said, Hey, that's not a giraffe. That's not a tiger. That's somebody. Woo, that's a woman. He didn't do that. Did he? He didn't, he didn't go searching for it. He, he, God brought her to him. God gave him a revelation of who this woman is and how he built her for him to know because he was asleep. And when God put something back together, put the flesh back together, they didn't have a recovery period. I don't believe. This is talking about the glory of God. Marriage is about the glory of God. God says, I want to get the glory because I designed it. I fashioned it. I put everything together in my word here, and I'm revealing it to you, and I want you to walk in it. Number two, I believe that they have a biblically successful marriage. It's going to be really about a great mystery. A great mystery. Let's look at it in Ephesians. Let's go to chapter 5, verse 31. And it's repeating here in the New Testament. The apostles is repeating here what was written, what we've already read. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God defined marriage. Man did not define marriage. God said he built the woman. God brought the woman to him. God is the one who said this is going to be a one flesh union. It was between one man and one woman. He did not design... One man with five women. That was not the design that God had in Genesis. It's not the design 
for it to be two men. And we're going to call it marriage. Two women and we're going to call it marriage. That is not God's design. Marriage is really about one man, one woman, being one flesh, revealing the glory of God. And let's finish it on verse um, 32. This mystery, speaking of the joining of the, the man and his wife, husband and wife here, them becoming one flesh. This mystery is great. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Christ and the church. When God designed marriage, he designed it to reflect Christ and the church. He designed it to glorify him, but he also designed it to reflect Christ in the church. You know, the, the church, uh, were, from Genesis to Revelation, speaks about Jesus Christ. You know, he said, he told you, we, we, let's start, we start anywhere. Well, I mean, we can, let's start right there where you are and, and talk about Jesus. Jesus is all the way through the scriptures. The Old Testament is just leading up to, it was just types and shadows leading up to, 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 the, um, to the, the birth of Jesus Christ. Him dying for our sins, being raised for our justification. Everything is about Jesus. Marriage is really about a great mystery, and that mystery he just revealed. What is that mystery? It's not a mystery to us because he just told us what the mystery was. He's speaking of Christ and the church. If our marriages do not reflect Christ and the church, our marriages are not really biblically successful, according to God. And so we'll look at that Next week, what do we mean? How can my marriage, our marriage, whenever our marriage, how can your marriage, how can a single, when, when, they, when they are uh, contemplating someone to marry, how, how can they, they really make sure that their marriage is going to reflect Christ in the church? Because that's what marriage is really about. So we said two things today. Marriage is really about a revelation of the glory of God because it's God's design. God did it. Everything we, 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 we read in here, it was about God. He did this thing. It's not about man. Man didn't do anything but participated in what God was doing. They were reciprocals of what God did. That's all we, we are. And it's about this great mystery that he revealed in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, he said it's a great mystery. I'm speaking of Christ and the church. Our marriages have to reflect Christ and the church. That's what it's about. It's really not about 
his needs, her needs. Because we can, we can, we can get into this uh, self-centered thing. That's, 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 that's our culture, self-centered. You're not meeting my needs. Love and respect. You're not respecting me. Well, you're not loving me. You're, you know, it's about, really, about Christ and the church. Am I being like Christ to Minerva? Is she being like the church? Are we really, are we really reflecting? Are we really illuminating in our marriage? When people see our marriage uh, and they see your marriage, when they see, are they really seeing, oh, I see a revelation of Christ and the church. Because all the world's supposed to speak of, 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 about Christ and the church because we're going to be without excuse. Everybody's going to be without excuse. I don't care whether they, 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 get, they got the gospel or they didn't get the gospel. They got the gospel because he, he all the, all, all the all of creation speaks of the glory of God, doesn't it? Well, he says that our marriage is supposed to be reflecting his glory. He's given a, a, a revelation of his glory and also reflecting his mystery about Christ and the church. So they're supposed to see this thing in operation. So they're supposed to see the gospel. They're supposed to see how this thing operates in your marriage. And they say, oh, My goodness gracious, there has to be a God. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.